0: Hello my beautiful beans and welcome to episode 98. Today is going to be a pep talk for you guys for when things don't go to plan. It could be when something goes wrong, it could be when something just doesn't really work out, it could be when you're heartbroken, when something unexpected happens, um, it could be absolutely anything. When you feel like you've failed at something and you just feel flat or you just feel down, it could be anything. It's I just basically wanted to do an episode where I kind of help you reframe your thoughts around the bad that's going on in your day or your life or your week and kind of help you just pause, regroup and then tackle the rest of your day or week or whatever head on with kind of like a different energy altogether. So that's basically what the episode is going to be about. Not quite sure how long this one's going to go for but I always say this shit and it ends up going forever but this one I think will be a little bit shorter. Um, Anyway, Firstly, weekly update, what's been going on? Look. Turns out that Switzerland has now just said that people have to do a 10-day quarantine um if they're coming in from overseas, Australia being one of those countries. So I'm really just hoping that that changes by the time Jan rolls around because this is I think what I predicted this last episode where I was like no doubt they're going to shut the fucking borders um before I can go. Anyway, I'm just here hoping I'm not going to touch those flights or tickets or anything um until it's closer to the date because you can't really predict anything. So no point taking action now. If it happens, amazing. If it doesn't happen, then what can you do about it? Not much um, separate to all of that, next week is my graduation. Like I'm legit wearing a fucking gown and the graduation hat and I get to walk across the stage and pick up my fucking master's degree. So I'm very excited about that. You'll be hearing me bang on about that when that does happen. It's like literally in a week from today. So we are thrilled about this development. Um, okay. So what I wanted to do, I'm going to go into my brain facts for the day. Today I want to be talking about, I'm back into my pharmacology um, vibe. You guys know how much I love pharmacology. And then I'll go into the topic of today, the pep talk for you guys. So today's brain fact, pharmacology fact is all around histamines and antihistamines and kind of what they do, how they act and why you get the side effects that you do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to get straight to the topic of today, you can skip to roughly like the 10-minute mark um, and get straight onto the ep-, ep of today. Otherwise, stay tuned for the brain fact. So to start with, what is a histamine? So histamine is a molecule that's produced by... basically it's produced by something called the decarboxylation of an amino acid, which is called histidine. So this histidine amino acid goes through a process of decarboxylation. And basically that's just the removal of a carboxyl group and the release of carbon dioxide. And then that then produces histamine. Okay. And now histamine is available throughout most of your body, but it is found in larger quantities in your gut, your lungs and your skin. So that kind of makes sense when you're getting, you know, a reaction or something, it's likely to be either, you know, some sort of respiratory thing like asthma or itchiness or a rash or something like that, or, or some flare up in the gut, because that's where you're getting Um, a lot of the release of histamines when they get triggered to be released, okay? Now, in order for histamine to be released, something does have to activate this release or trigger it, basically. And it can happen in a few ways. So the first one is where the tissue, like your skin, has been damaged or injured. And when this happens... There's these cells called mast cells which kind of produce or release the histamine um, and these injured mast cells in that damaged part of the tissue in your skin or in, within your body as well, it doesn't have to be the skin, um, basically it triggers these mast cells to release a bunch of chemicals and one of those chemicals is histamines and this affects the blood vessels and the nerves in that area of trauma and it causes that inflammation The second one is an allergic reaction. So it's a bit of a complicated process, but basically it's when certain cells are going to activate the production of antibodies and these antibodies then bind to those mast cells that produce histamines that I was talking about and that then, of course, the antibodies and trigger that release of histamine. Uh, And then the other one is through exogenous chemicals. So exogenous is something that's produced outside of the body. Endogenous is produced by the body, by you, by yourself. Exogenous is external. So that could be things like venom or uh, chemicals like morphine. It could be drugs. It could be poisons, whatever. And that's going to cause the release of histamines. Now, what does it do? So there's basically histamine binds to histamine receptors around the body Now you every time I talk about pharmacology I talk about the binding onto a receptor to activate it whether it you know whether it um, inhibits or activates the binding there's some sort of action that occurs when a chemical binds to a receptor okay now when we're talking about histamine receptors there's H1, H2, H3 and H4. What I'm going to be focusing on primarily is H1. So, antihistamine drugs that we take mainly target H1 and H2 receptors, but we're going to be mainly focusing on H1. So, let's talk about H1 receptors and where they're found. They're found, of course, around the whole body, but they're often found on vascular endothelial cells. So, these are the cells that line arteries, veins, capillaries. They're also found on smooth muscle, nerve endings in the peripheral nervous system um, and then also in within the brain as well. So these receptors are mainly going to focus on allergy, inflammation or injury. It also acts within the brain. Histamine also acts as a neurotransmitter. Histamine helps suppress appetite and it also does things as um, encouraging wakefulness. So it helps you stay awake. Okay, remember that fact. Now, H2 receptors are around the gastric tract in the gut. Okay, So... Talking about antihistamines, we're going to focus on the ones that are mainly targeting the H1 receptor. These are most antihistamines that you get when you get hay fever, allergies, runny nose, itchiness, all of that. You're taking your typical antihistamine is more than likely going to be targeting the H1 receptor. Some target the H1 and H2 receptor as well, okay? Now, antihistamines that target this H1 receptor either – I won't get into it too heavily – but they're either antagonists, which basically is a molecule that's going to compete at the binding site uh, at a receptor. So it's pretty much going to um, – and it's basically going to stop the function of the histamines on that binding site or it's called a an inverse agonist and it pretty much does the opposite of an agonist. Um, in which case, it's kind of instead of dialing up, it's basically dialing down what's occurring with that the histamine binding on that cell or the the you know the gate at the cell and causing all these you know allergy reactions runny nose runny eyes you know itchy skin all of that so when you take an antihistamine basically what you want to imagine that regardless whether it's an antagonist or an inverse agonist it's it's targeting that receptor and it's telling the the action of the histamine to basically stop or slow down at best okay so that's pretty much how a lot of different drugs work they work at the you know the 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 gate at the cell or these receptors and they say, you know, do more of this or do less of this. And when you say do less of this, you're getting less of the symptoms. Now, the older style of antihistamines are something that's called lipophilic, which means attracted to fat, basically. It's it's drawn to fat. I think I've spoken about this in a previous episode, but just as a recap, anything that's lipophilic means that it's more likely to be able to cross the blood brain barrier. It needs to be lipophilic. One of the main things that a drug needs to be or a molecule needs to be is lipophilic. It's got to be fatty in order to cross that blood brain barrier and get in. It's it's more permeable. If it's too watery or hydrophilic, then it makes it a lot harder to cross the blood brain barrier by itself. Okay. So it's still possible, but it's a lot harder. Now, When it crosses the blood-brain barrier, it enters the brain, it enters the central nervous system, and it has these antihistamine effects. So it's blocking the effects of histamine within the brain. So then that is why you're getting drowsy, you're getting sedated, you're not performing, your cognitive performance goes down because you've taken something that is the old-school um more like first generation antihistamine where it's lipophilic crossing the blood brain barrier and you're reducing and like i said prior i literally just um i think like two three minutes ago i was saying to remember that histamines work almost as like a neurotransmitter within the brain for wakefulness and for um suppression of appetite so if you then block that then you're probably your appetite isn't really suppressed and you're really drowsy or sedated They're also not super selective. Now, when you talk about selectivity of drugs, it's how well is the drug or how well does the drug act on what it's supposed to be acting on and not on other things as well. Now, in pharmacology, we were always taught that pretty much every drug almost is promiscuous in the sense that it kind of does more than just one. It it kind of goes around doing all these other actions instead of just this one action. And the first generation Um, uh, antihistamines are not as selective as the second generation so you get things like it it, it targets the serotonergic and cholinergic receptors so you're getting dry mouth increased appetite all that kind of stuff now second generation antihistamines are less lipophilic so they're not as fatty so they don't easily cross the blood-brain barrier it doesn't really enter your central nervous system so it's more likely to target the receptors in the periphery Now, periphery is basically the area that is outside the central nervous system. So, that's outside of your brain, brainstem and spinal cord. So, they're less likely to target things within the central nervous system. So, you get the same relief of allergy symptoms, but you don't get that sedation, okay? So, that's kind of the difference between first generation and second generation. And when you go to a pharmacy to buy antihistamines, you might get ask, you know, this particular one is going to make you drowsy, so make sure you're not driving or this or that, but this one's fine. The ones that say non-drowsy are going to be um, probably less lipophilic. They're going to be that second-generation style. If they're the drowsy ones, they're still probably great. At, at, at working as an antihistamine, but they're going to make you drowsy as well because they're fattier and they can cross the blood-brain barrier. So there is some fun antihistamine facts for you today. Um, anyway, let's get into the topic of the day. Okay, so like I said, this episode is to literally just give you guys, my beans, a bit of a pep talk when something hasn't really gone to plan, okay? And I want you to be able to come back to this episode and listen to it when you need a bit of like a pick-me-up or you want to feel a little bit better or a little bit more excited about your current situation or your current, you know, stage in your life, okay? So I know all of us at some point or another, but most of us right now are going through Something right now. And it could be something tiny, like I've asked this person to go out with me and they said no. So it affects you for, you know, maybe the day or a couple of days. Or it could be something, you know, bigger, like, you've just been broken up with and you're heartbroken or anything kind of in between that you went for a job that you really wanted to go for and you got rejected or you got rejected like the 10th job in a row and you're feeling fucking flat and shit, or you just don't understand why nothing's changing when you're pushing so hard or you're working so hard towards something or, you know, you had something that you were trying out for and you went worse than you expected to go. It could be absolutely anything. You can apply this to almost any situation where you feel like, Things didn't go your way. And regardless of what has happened to you, what you're going through right now, it, all these things, all these feelings make you feel fucking low. It makes you feel flat. It makes you feel really down. And then these low feelings will lead to many different but similar feelings. And it can leave you feeling pretty pessimistic about the near future or about your abilities um and for some people it can they it can make them quite pessimistic for a while and it can make them feel pretty down and out about who they are as a person so one thing is feeling like oh it's a shit day or oh i'm I'll, you know i don't think i'm going to be able to do that again versus the next level where it's even worse where you then start projecting those feelings about who you are as a person like i'm not worthy why would have I expected them to give me the job or for that person to want to date me or for these people to want to hang around me, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important that while I'm I'm all for, of course, feeling the feelings that you should be feeling and I do t- I'm going to tap into that in a little bit, but it's also impor- important to identify where you need to kind of, Where's that breaking point to be like, okay, I need to stop this cycle and this like downward spiral and I need to take some action with my thoughts or with my physical actions to do something about this because like I always talk about the – like attracts like and the brain likes like thoughts, okay? So it's always going to find it a lot easier to think of a thought that's similar and then a thought that's similar to that thought and that's why we find it so easy to spiral or that's why when people start gossiping, it's so easy to continue that chain of gossiping and before you know it, you're you're um, involved in roasting somebody that you probably actually like but you just get so involved in what it is that you're doing. It's also what happens with the mentality of when you look at a protest and it starts off as peaceful but then you get, you know, this this collective energy gets heightened and heightened and heightened and before you know it, people that are normally peaceful are doing quite violent or, you know, destructive actions and that all comes down to if you see something or if you're thinking something, it's a lot easier to think a similar thought and then a similar, similar, similar and you end up doing something that's, you know, quite far from where you started versus having that, you know, counteractive thought to be like, pause, stop. Is this the best action to take? Is this the best thought to take? Okay. And of course the same can happen in reverse. It's not always a bad thing. This like attracts not like is definitely not always a bad thing. Look at it in reverse when you're in the zone working on something. You're just smashing through shit and you, if, when you step back, you'll be like, whoa, how the fuck did I get so much shit done? Because like attracts like. When you're in that zone, you're able to stay in that zone and if you don't get interrupted or distracted or pulled or stretched too thin, you're able to get shit done. It's why people that are really creative, rappers, poets, writers, d- interpretive dancing, all that, all improvising and acting, you know, comedy, all that shit – is because you're in that zone where you're allowing like thoughts to continue to flow, 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 and it just unfolds into this awesome thing. So this whole idea of like attracts like can be incredible if you learn to harness it properly. When it's being used to be detrimental for yourself, that's when you've got to learn how to kind of pause, stop, reflect, break it down, let's look at it, let's crack it open, let's see what's going on here, okay? So I don't want you to feel Number one, especially if you're in a low point right now where you are listening to this podcast, stop feeling bad about yourself for feeling the way you're feeling. It is what it is. Where you are right now, this is your starting point. I don't want you thinking like, oh, fucking true. I'm always fucking spiraling. I'm a fucking idiot. This is exactly what I don't want you to be doing. Right now, you've got to realize the reason I've spiraled is because A, maybe I'm really good at, you know, these like thoughts coming into my mind and I don't know how to stop it. Or B, I just haven't learned the tools to pause, do something about it. Or C, I'm just going through something I've never really gone through and it's consuming my mind. But the last thing I want you to do is start beating down on yourself for not being able to stop these thoughts or intercept these thoughts the way you would want to. Okay, let's just look at right here, right now as your starting point. Take a big breath, big inhale. Exhale. Okay, starting. Let's get into it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break this whole thing down. What to do in this moment. This is the pep talk. I'm going to break it down into a few points, like five or so points. Okay. So firstly, the first thing I want you to do is to isolate the event that just happened to you. That quote unquote failure, that person dumping you, that rejection, that thing falling apart, whatever it is. Isolate the event. Don't let that one event bleed into all other aspects of your life. You are a multifaceted being. One thing is not going to paint who you are. In addition to isolating this event, it's going to help you separate your sense of self and your emotions from an event or a situation that's occurred. Okay? So let's take you getting to the final stages of a job interview, of a job that you really wanted to have and you got down to the last two and it was like they've called your references, you know it's fucking happening and then boom, they're like, no, sorry, we went with the other candidate. Let's just use that as an example but of course, like I said, it can be used for anything. You're feeling fucking shit because you were getting excited about something, it was so close, you could pretty much touch it and now it's gone. So what I want you to do is just grab a piece of paper and write it down. Write down what occurred to make you feel shit in the first place. Okay? This thing has happened to me. And now write down how it panned out and everything you felt about it. Like these are the things that I was excited about. This is what didn't happen. This is why it's made me feel shit. Write down the anxiety you feel towards it. Why you're feeling anxious? Does it make you feel like you're more you're a failure? Does it make you feel like less of a person? Does it make you scared that you're stuck in a rut while you're trying to break out of that rut? What are your fears? What are your negative narratives around it? Put it all down. It's always better there than in your head. And it's also really good to start to identify what kind of conversations you have with yourself, what you tell yourself. If So a lot of people might feel really bummed but they don't ever turn it around to attack themselves, whereas others instantly turn it around to be like, you're shit, you're a failure, why did you bother, why this, why that? But regardless, get it on paper to start getting acquainted with how you talk to yourself when the times are tough, when shit hits the fan, when the chips are down. How do you talk to yourself? Write it down, start getting, start getting acquainted with it. This is a place of no judgment as well, but just look at your language, put it all down. Now, The second thing you're going to do, obviously pause this episode as much as you need to. The second thing you're going to do now is you're going to pull this apart. So in pulling it apart, the first thing you do is you identify what is in your control, what can be done or what can be changed. Okay? And in addition to that, you're also going to identify what is not in your control. So something that involves external forces that you would be ruminating without being able to have an impact on. You know, what What? what are you thinking? Oh, this happened, this happened, but in reality, it's not in your control. So going back to the losing, you know, the, the job example that I just had, what is in your control in this situation? Okay. You now know that you obviously have the tools and the resources and the knowledge and the experience to get to the f- top two. So that's, that's, a, that's good, okay? Now what, what can you do to tweak it? Right now what can you do? Are you comfortable reaching out to these people and saying, why is it? That I didn't quite make the cut. Would you be open in sharing feedback with me? That's an option. Another option would be like using this momentum of making it to the final two to quickly try and get to a similar job that has, you know, that's going to get you to a similar place. That's another option. Another option would be like, okay, did I actually? you know, are there certain things that I didn't do great in that I think I could fix on my CV? Or were there gaps within the interview that I realized there was stuff that I needed to learn that I could then do better at if this opportunity presented itself again? So that's what I mean about what is in your control. Did you notice gaps there that you're like, in the future, I can fix that, or I can do something, or I can grow, I can use this as like a a marker to show me where change can be made. This is going to be It's going to start to already shift your state right now where you are. It's going to start to shift that state of mind because it's going to make you start thinking outside the box, starting to be a little bit more proactive. And yes, it might be a bit of tough love to yourself being like, "Mm, I could do better at that, but it's also going to be a bit of a relief because you're going to start to identify there's nothing I could have done for that. You might even find yourself in a situation where none of it was in your control. For example, you could be in a relationship where you both were really healthy with each other. There was no toxic behavior. Everything was great and boom, goodbye. I don't want to be with you. I'm I'm done. See ya. Don't ever talk to me again. That could happen. So in that scenario, as far as what's been done, pretty much none of it was in your control. And you have to learn how to identify that and learn to be like, I'm willing to put that in the, this was not in my control category. Not thinking, what if I had done this? What if I had done that? Learn to identify truly what is and is not in your control, okay? Now, the next thing you're going to do in this pull it apart section is you're going to write down what did you learn from this or how did you grow or how will it assist your growth? If you're looking at the breakup situation, you can say, well, this is going to assist my growth because it's going to give me resilience. This is going to assist my growth because I'm going to really learn how to, how to, how to heal on my own. I'm going to learn to, when it comes to emotional support, become that for myself. Like it's really tough right now, but there's things I can learn. It's going to help me as an individual, as fucked as it is right now. And then the next thing you're going to do is you're going to identify what it has made you want now. So opposites are not a bad thing. Contrast is a good thing because when you have contrast, it can show you what you really, really want. It can show you what you don't want. It teaches you how to really strive towards something or how to have passion towards something. If you got everything you ever wanted and never experienced any pain or hurt or discomfort or annoyance or or boredom, all that stuff, you'd probably be this fucking complacent being floating around through life. Contrast is a good thing. It's what gives us experiences and feelings in life. It's what you do with that contrast that matters. So when you're heartbroken, you think, fuck, this is fucking painful. I want to feel good. I want to, what I look for in a partner, I want to provide those feelings for myself. I want, and then the beauty of it is that when you go through the breakup, not every relationship, there's not one relationship that's perfect. It can then help you identify, I actually didn't like that about the relationship. So in future, I'm probably going to not seek that in other people. I didn't really enjoy this or this or that or whatever. You start to realize now that this has gone out of my life, what could it represent for me now? Look at the opposites of things and start to identify what do you want now? If it's the job that you lost, you might think, no, I want this job more than ever, it's a motivating thing for you. If you were so close to getting it and you just missed out, you could think, okay, let's fucking pause, regroup, get my fucking shit together. And this this interview has made me realise that I actually want this more than ever before. I'm willing to do what it takes. I'm willing to even write them a letter today and say, bummed that I didn't get it. Like don't fucking burn a bridge and be sour when someone doesn't give you a job. You, you can write them a letter and say, I'm bummed I didn't get this job, but... It's made me realise that I want this more than ever. If an opportunity ever comes up, if any feedback is available, please let me know. People love people that are hungry, okay? It, it, it's infectious. And if you give that energy to people, you'll be amazed at what gets thrown back at you. It's incredible. So it's worth it. So to summarise the section two of what you're doing, you are identifying what is in your control. You're identifying what is not in your control. You are writing down what did you learn from this or how will it help you grow as an individual and you're identifying what it has made you want now. You're identifying the opposites and why it is a good thing. Now, the third section is sit with it. Let, just let it be. Take some fucking time. If you want to cry, cry. Let it out and just fucking chill, okay? You need time For no answers. And you also need to release that pent up energy. Okay. If you are not a crier, maybe you want to go for a long walk or a run, or maybe you just want to have a bath or a really long sleep and just be left alone. Turn your fucking phone off. Just say to people, like, let's say you're going through a breakup and people are worried about your emotional state. You can say, Hey guys, I'm literally just taking two hours off. Please, like, text the people that are closest to you. Please don't call me. Please don't message me. I'm just exhausted. Okay. You know, you can do things like that or cry do do what feels right but feeling it is a good thing feeling your pain is a good thing because you are present in that moment you are understanding what that meant to you and how it has affected you you are being you are being empathetic or sympathetic with yourself you are caring that's self love when you dwell and relive that movie again and again and again and again That's when it's not helpful. That's when you're choosing suffering, okay? The first one is feeling the pain, living through it, growing from it. The second one is self-sabotage where you're like, I'm going to fucking feel this pain again and again and relive that memory and suffer and I'm going to put up walls and tell people to not get close to me and not bother with any jobs anymore because I'm sour about what happened to me. We're not doing that. We are not fucking doing that. I just want you to feel it when you feel pulled to do so, okay? It's part of feeling it also helps you shake off that pent-up energy. Sometimes it's so good to have a fucking cry and then you're like, okay, I'm good. Like I remember when I've gone through breakups in my past, sometimes it was more energy to hold back tears all day long than just to fucking cry. It almost took up more of my awareness. I was less present. And then I'd get home and I'd be suppressing, like, don't cry, don't cry. And I'm like, just fucking cry. I'd let it all out. I'd just have my cry. And then all the energy was just released. And then I'm like, okay, fuck. I'm so much calmer now. Let's go for a walk. Let's watch a movie. Let's call a friend. Let's have a coffee with someone. I felt so much calmer. It's like this when you look at geese or ducks when they're in the lake and they go to fight and they nearly fight and it almost happens and then they don't fight. When they swim away, they shake it out. Animals in general do this. They shake up that pent-up energy because better out than in. It's this idea of like, well, I'm not going to use this, so I've just got to let it out, let it out, let it out, let it out. Whew, now I can Relax. So, if you're feeling you are holding back tears, fucking cry, okay? It can be quite therapeutic and it stops you from you know, focusing on the one thing of suppressing, suppressing, suppressing. Even when you look at it from like a brain perspective, you know, a lot of your conscious awareness is taken up by don't cry, oh, don't cry, don't cry. And then you're stressed, you're stressed, you're suppressing, you're releasing cortisol, you feel more stressed, you feel the pressure, you just don't feel good that the likelihood from going from there of suppressing tears, feeling stressed to then happy all of a sudden, unless you've got some major distraction, it, it gets harder and harder to do so because of these stress hormones that are being released. On the contrary, if you just let it out and cry, you go through the feelings that you're you're holding back, holding back, and then you almost feel a physical release as well. You calm down, your stress goes down, and then you can regroup, okay? Now, fourth, the fourth thing you're going to do, Is you're going to create for yourself some mood shifters. I love this idea of mood shifters. I've mentioned it before on my um, my mindset hacks course, which I used to run, Um, no longer run that because I've been trying to regroup this whole year to do something similar. Have not yet done it, but don't worry, it, it will eventually come. Thanks for thanks for putting up with me and basically how long I take to get my shit together. But anyway. Mood shifters, these things are something that in the moment help you pivot. So ideally, it would be if you've just had a cry, maybe put in a mood shifter. Or if you're not even feeling it, like you need to cry, but you're feeling fucking flat, this is where you put in a mood shifter. You want to get a playlist and make it a banger. Do it right now. Do it after this episode, okay? I'm talking music that makes you feel like a badass, music that gets you in the zone, music that makes you feel like a fucking weapon, music that's like, ha. you know, I'm better off without you anyway, that fun, good music, okay, something that makes you feel empowered, none of this, you know, sad, tragic music, fine, listen to that when you're having a cry, I don't want this to be in your mood shifters playlist, okay, it is going to be incredible, music does wonders for your emotions. It reaches your fucking soul and your emotions fast. You want to take advantage of this medium. I've also spoken about other things. Music is the quickest way to do it. It is so fucking quick. It is amazing. But there's a whole bunch of other things you can do in this mood shifters thing. I have a list in my notes where it's of really funny things that have happened to me or people that are close to me that make me actually laugh out loud when i read them like hilarious shit where i put myself back in that moment it's brilliant you can have you know a collection of movies that or funny video clips or saved things on tiktok or instagram that make you laugh whatever it is whatever you want to put in this mood shifter thing something that's going to quickly snap you out of this you know flat state where you're like okay i'm fucking feeling a bit more energetic now i'm feeling positive like attracts like i'm starting to feel a bit more optimistic right now about my current situation and now fifth of all you want to visualise the next phase. This is the most exciting part of all those steps, okay? All the other steps are kind of regrouping the groundwork, crying it out, feeling your feelings, getting fucking present. Now now this is where your life is going to turn around. You visualise the next chapter. You visualise the next possibility. What is now possible in my life because of what has just occurred? get creative, get excited. Either write down a list or put together a bit of a vision board with images and photos, either physically or on the backdrop of your computer. But you want to get excited about something. Even if it feels like there's not much excitement going on in your life right now. Why do you think that women always dye their hair after a breakup or cut their hair off after a breakup? Because it's this whole, it's 2.0 me and it's fucking game time, bitches. Like I'm fucking ready to take on the next chapter of my life. You know, they get, people are like, wow, look at your hair. Look at this. Look at that. It, we're here for a fucking rebrand. That's what they're doing. And it's, it, it actually helps. It's not stupid. It's not like, lol, she's gone and done. No, no, it works. It's a shake up of your current reality. It's a let's move into phase two right now. Let's change it up. You want to use that same concept for your current life. You don't have to go cut or dye your hair right now. But what can you shake up right now in your current reality that's, that's going to mark a line in the sand and say, from this day onwards, I'm not going to or I'm going to start doing this or I'm going to fucking go on that adventure or I want this job now more than anything and I'm going to do means that I've never done to get it or I'm going to reach out to people I've never reached out to get it start to visualize the possibilities. If you missed out on this trial for a sports thing or an audition or whatever, you can look at like, okay, now I'm way more laser focused. I've regrouped. I've written all this shit down. I've done steps one, two, three, and four that Alexis has given me. And I'm fucking here at step five, ready to go. Okay. This is such an exciting thing to do that I want you to turn off your notifications, turn off everything. Maybe you can do this while you're listening to your mood shifters playlist. It's a good time. It gets you even more excited. But you sit down, you start Googling images, get on Pinterest, get on this, get on that, start writing things down and it gets you so excited. And if you want, go fucking cut your hair. Cut your fucking hair. Get a tattoo. Do something that marks the line in the sand to be like, this is the 2.0 version of me and I'm here for it, okay? And also I heavily encourage you to start using my mantra for life. If you haven't already heard it, my mantra that I use all the time is I live for this feeling. I do it all the fucking time and it works. It's a great, great mantra because I'm not talking shit. I'm not talking whatever. When I am, you know, I remember when I would be doing the last bit of my essays and it's getting really difficult and the, the deadlines, you know, looming, I would then think, wait a minute, you're doing exactly what you want to be doing. You're, you're in your masters. Yes, it's fucking hard, but what else would you want to be doing? What else? As if you don't want to be challenged in your life. I fucking live for this feeling of challenge, achieve. Challenge, fail, and then achieve again. Challenge, struggle, achieve. Love that I fucking live for this feeling. So when I start to get really stressed, I'd pause, I'd take in a big, deep breath, And I would just repeat a few times, I live for this feeling, I live for this feeling, I live for this feeling. And then I'd think about it and I'm like, I really do live for this feeling. What else am I going to be doing with my time? Sitting on my ass? fuck that. Okay. I'm here for this. I love the pressure, especially when there's, there's, you know, something right there that I'm about to touch. It's right there in my grasp. So I live for this feeling and I'd actually feel so much better for it. And I use that all the time. I now use it in when I'm, when I'm going for a run, it's my final 500 meters and I'm sweating and I'm hot and I'm, I'm a bit of a mess, a hot mess. And the, I can see the finish line and I start saying to myself, I live for this feeling. I live for feeling the most energized I'm going to feel right now. Like my, I can feel every ounce of my body. I can feel my breath going into my lungs. It's an amazing feeling that some people don't get to have. So I live for it. And then when I get to the finish line, I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I'm not like, oh, I'm fucked. That was fucked. I'm like, that was amazing. That was amazing. I'm exhausted, but I'm so, I live for this feeling. Okay. Use that mantra in your life. It works. It feels amazing. amazing and another thing to make you feel a bit better just think right now i'm probably doing something that my younger self would have only dreamed of doing it could be something really basic or it could be some dream that you have achieved but now it's you become more stressful than exciting reframe your perspective around what you're doing now and think this was my dream like two years ago five years ago whatever so while it's stressful pause and think this is amazing Sometimes I get really overwhelmed because I'm like, fuck, I've got a podcast deadline or this or that. And I haven't done it. I'm stressed. I've got to do it on a Sunday. And then I think, wait a minute, you would have, I, younger Alexis, could have only dreamed of what I'm doing now. You know, where I can run my own business for myself and share what I love to share with you, Beans. You know, it's amazing. So I quickly shift this this state of frustration to a to a place of gratitude and excitement and I live for this feeling kind of vibe so please use that mantra as much as you like it's it it works it's so good so guys I hope that that helped I hope that helped you kind of isolate what you're going through kind of look at it removing your sense of self from it stop feeling like you are attached to that bad thing that has happened because you're not it's just something that has occurred and it's how you're gonna work around it and how you're going to kind of regroup and move forward from it. Okay. I want you guys, you right now, you being that sitting there, I want you so badly to experience all the things in your life that you want to experience. Okay this is your fucking time. Your time is now. It's not tomorrow. It's not yesterday. It's right now, today, what you're doing right now. Okay. I don't want you wishing it away or thinking how things have, have, could have gone differently for you. Cause things could have always gone differently for you. They could be going differently for you right now. Okay. And don't be wishing time away thinking, Oh, I can't wait for next year. What's going to be different next year other than, you know, that the, the tick over from 2021 to 2022 in your diary or calendar what you do is what's going to make it different. So don't wish away the rest of this year and wish away the years or wish away your time at uni or school or at the end of your job. You are here and the time is now. And there's always something that can be done. For whatever reason, the things that could have gone differently didn't. Okay. And the past is no longer in your control. But this moment is in your control. So I want you to do something about it, to be the most badass version of yourself that you've ever known, okay? You owe it to yourself. So use this right after listening to this podcast, this pep talk, as your pivoting moment. Have the cry if you want to have the cry. Shake off that old fucking energy. Get back to a neutral spot. Take some time. But ultimately, don't spiral or bang on about something that can't be changed or something that's not in your power or in your control okay, you owe it to yourself, I adore you guys, I'm always here for you, you guys are the real MVPs, I love you so much, if you want to talk about exactly this topic, you can share it with the group on the Facebook page, the Do You Fucking Mind with Alexis Fernandez Facebook page, jump on there. There's so much love. There's so much support. The communities are vibes. So if you're going through something, write it there. People do it all the time and everyone's got great advice or gives great feedback or pep talks or lifts each other up. It's, it's a beautiful community. So if you want to join it, please do. Um, and that is all. Love you guys so much. As always, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.